Welcome to Matthew Felix, the radio episodes, Travelers on Travel. I'm Matthew Felix, author of the books With Open Arms, short stories of misadventures in Morocco, and the new Porcelain Travels. In February of 2018, what is now my Matthew Felix on Air video podcast began as an internet radio program in downtown San Francisco. The radio episodes, Travelers on Travel podcast, feature segments from that radio show, in which I talk travel with travel writers, journalists, photographers, and filmmakers. I hope you like the show. And don't forget to check out the current video podcast incarnation, Matthew Felix on Air, available here, as well as on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening, and talk soon. Hey, check out my new book, Porcelain Travels, Humor, Horror, and Revelation, In, On, and Around, Toilets, Tubs, and Showers, an Amazon number one new release in four categories, including travel humor, and winner of Gold for Humor in the 2018 Solas Awards for travel writing. You can also check out Porcelain Travels' companion podcast of the same name, which comprises readings from eight stories, including two recorded before a live audience. Porcelain Travels the Book is available in paperback and ebook on Amazon and other online retailers. Hervé Cohen is an award-winning filmmaker and cinematographer. He has traveled the world capturing compelling stories. In the Amazon, he filmed a musical poetic piece about the environment. In the countryside of China, he followed the work of three traveling projectionists. In Senegal, he captured the initiation ceremony of a young Diola, and he also traveled all over the United States, filming a family road movie during the Democratic primaries. In Benin, Benin, how do we say that? Benin, Benin, West Africa, he followed the life of a seven-year-old girl over the course of 12 years of her school life. So that's something else I should have you on to talk about, because that sounds fascinating. Uh, For the PBS series, Time for School, And in his native Paris, Hervé filmed a personal story about the exile of Algerian Jews. In addition to all that, Hervé has also shot two feature narratives, one in San Francisco and the other in Haiti. That film, Haiti Mon Amour, is on the list in the Best Foreign Language Film category for the 2008 Oscars. So please vote for that film. 2018. 2018, sorry. Yeah, eight. That would have been a while ago, right? Yeah, 2018 Oscars. Welcome, Hervé. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Happy to be here. All right. Well, I'm really happy to have you here because um, I love your Project Life Underground. I obviously uh, spent a lot of time on it this week, and I love the project. I love the website. I love that it really is this interactive experience. But most of all, I love the stories. And uh, I was really blown away by how much you were able to get these total strangers to talk with you about their lives, including really personal, intimate details. And we're going to talk about how you did that. Um, But I was also struck by how much you were able to pack into these three-minute conversations. So we're going to talk about that as well. But before we get into all that, let's start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what is, for those who don't know, what is Life Underground? Life Underground is a fantasy, actually. It's it's a journey around the world inside uh, subways and doing random encounters, meeting people that we don't know in their anonymity. And uh, so along the travels, we meet people, we, I capture stories from them, I record their voices, and, uh, and the voices are edited uh, on their image while, while they travel silently. And so um, I've shot so far uh, throughout 16 subways around the world uh-huh. from Santiago, Chile to Tokyo. And, uh, 
And during my journey, I meet people and they confide in me very personal, intimate stories. Yes, and it's fascinating. Um, but where, where did you get the idea? How, how and when did you come up with this concept and think, this is a project I want to do? Well, because uh, I'm a Parisian and I was born in Paris and grew up there. And, um, and of course, when you are Parisian, you uh, take the subway all the time. Yes, you do. And, um, I was a Parisian for six months. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. And so at one point, you know, you, uh, you have, you look at people, you're curious about people and, you know, you ask questions, you know, about them. And, and sometimes you want to interact with them. But, of course, you never dare doing it. And also when I travel, wherever I go, uh, when I want to capture something about a city, about people in foreign countries, the first thing I do when there is a metro, I, I ride the metro, I, I ride the subway. Uh -huh. And that's, you know, the proximity with people, the way that there is time to look at them and, you know, to, uh, to capture their mood, the pulse of a city, their habits, the way they dress, the way they look. It's really about curiosity and being attracted to to people, intrigued by people, and so yeah. So your 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 fascination with metros long predates this project. It sounds like oh yeah, it sounds like the project has been sort of germinating for a long time because of, you do have this fascination with the metro and who you see on it and the experiences that you have. Yes, it did. It's a it's it's an old project that I I had. A, it's a fantasy that I uh, um, again. It's really. Uh, what I had in my mind for a long time. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to do like a documentary film, which is going to be just a travel around subways and uh, around people's thoughts. Yeah. But a straight up documentary, like in the traditional form, is really difficult to make and uh, especially to fund. Yeah. Uh, because it's not at all. It's really experimental. Right. So that's why I came up with the idea of the... Um, of the interactive web doc. Okay, uh, we're going to get to that sure. because that is really interesting that you didn't do, and that's one of the questions I have for a little later on is why you didn't do a traditional documentary and how you opted for this this approach. But let's let's step back first and talk about, so you have this idea, you presumably finished up on some other projects, you now have got the time to dedicate to this particular project. Um, so what kind of team did you assemble to start shooting? Because you're, you're going to be riding the subways. Do you have 10 other people with you? How? What, what sort of team did you need to actually go do these shoots? Really, for me, the main... Um, uh, what's most important is to be really discreet and not to be too intrusive. And so I have a very small camera that looks like a still picture camera, like uh -huh. a traditional like tourist uh, you know, a uh, thing uh, around my neck. Ah. So this is my camera, and uh, and I film myself, and I have with me an assistant who also takes the sound, uh, records the sound in the subways, and uh, who also translates. And, yeah. and this person is local because okay. he he or she needs to to know the city and to the language and to, and to know the language and to translate. So we're only two people. So Interesting. really, really discreet. People don't pay attention to us, and uh, most of the time they don't notice that I film. How do you see the shot? Do you have a you can you're able to see that there's a screen that you can tilt so you can look down and make sure. sure. Okay. Yeah, there is a All screen. Right. Yeah, yeah, there is a screen that I can tilt. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, I also have another camera, which is a, a gimbal. It's a, 
um, it's a um, stabilized camera when I have to go up and down, up and down the stairs or okay. escalators. I use that for more stability. But, but it's, yeah, it's also for very shots that you don't need to be discreet about. It's more right. just like setting shots, metro shots, it's not, or subway shots. It's not for the interviews when you're, or, or pre-interview oh. when you're worried about being seen or whatever. So, well, the interviews are not at all uh, captured in the metro. Right. And the interviews are uh, recorded on audio only. Yeah, because I realized that without the camera, people are much more at ease and and are ah. ready to open up. So that's one of the secrets. Interesting. Uh, if you don't have a camera, people are really not as intimidated, and uh, and the audio recording of the people's stories is uh, generally in a quiet place outside of the metro, in a more intimate setting. And um, so you just convince them. You say, "Hey, can we go to this?" cafe or it's not cafe i guess it would be too noisy but you find some place exactly. close to the metro exactly then and there though in exactly. the moment in the moment and and have them um, yeah. sit down with you and, and have the conversation it's and right after they exit the subway yeah. we we right away we we go somewhere quiet and uh that might be a challenge sometimes to find a place but we generally do and um and that's where we do the the recording right so let's say i'm on the subway and you've identified me as a potential subject for your project. Um, well, I guess, first of all, how, <clears throat> excuse me, how do you choose the subjects? Yeah. So how really, would you look at someone and say, ah, I think that's a good person? Yeah, I've set project. up some rules, you know, for this okay. project. And yeah. one of the rules is to be inspired by someone. When I approach someone, it's because I want to, I'm trying to recreate my, you know, fantasy, what I ride the subway anywhere in the world. And I, I want to, I, ha I have something that, you know, I see somewhere in someone uh -huh. and um, I'm intrigued or yep. I'm like, oh, why this person has uh, this uh, anxious look? You know, is he going to um, a, a job interview or why? Uh, right, does you he start asking yourself the questions, exactly. what's going on in their mind. Or just a tr simple attraction, yep. you know, or this guy, you know, I don't know. This, or a bird. Uh, Exactly. They might be carrying a parrot. Exactly, for, for a example. parrot on the shoulder. Right. right. Something that intrigues me. So wherever I identify someone, it's because whenever I, 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 you know, I have someone in mind or I look at someone I want to interact, is because I have this attraction or I'm intrigued or I ask myself questions. Yeah. There could be physical or you know like a simple attraction of someone like super, uh, you know, good looking or. Um, it could or be horrible looking or, or like fascinating looking or yeah right, so there's right. something fascinating something, it's, it's yeah. really about being curious and it's an experience everyone has yeah has had in the when you, whenever you you ride the subway of course you're going to be looking at people i mean it's 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 natural and yep. sometimes you're going to be curious right so that's that's what i try to recreate okay and identify people so let's say i have a ferret around my neck and a parrot on my arm and you're like all right this guy's weird or not even weird because that sounds negative. This guy is curious. I'm I am intrigued. Right. He's someone I want to talk to talk to talk with. So mm -hmm. how would you approach me? What's your pitch that you basically give your subjects? So generally, I do that with my assistant because um, I'm kind of shy and uh -huh. it's not easy to just uh, come up with to someone and just you know approach talk. a stranger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Professor. So I have my assistant, and generally, if it's in in foreign in countries where I don't speak the language, it's easier for the you know, the assistant to, to, to directly address, uh, um, you know, in, in the local language. Yeah. So he or she does the, the, the pitch. So, hello, we are filmmakers and uh, 
from France, you know, he's from France, and uh, we travel around the, around the world uh, capturing uh, people, uh, riding the subways, and uh, uh, would you mind uh, if we film you silently? You don't have to do anything, you just sign in in the subway in your thoughts, and, and at the end, if you have a few moments, so we can record your voice, and you, you would tell a little bit about yourself. Uh -huh. So that's the pitch. Okay. And so people could say, no, I'm not interested, or yeah. yes, I am, but I don't have the time afterwards to, to give you a moment to talk, yeah. or they say yes, you know, yes, I'm interested, and yes, I can talk to you. So what percentage say, yes, I can do this? Oh, it, it's, it's really, it depends on it's the place. It's all over the place. Yeah. It depends on the place. On in, the place? It, yeah, yeah, okay. on the place, yeah. In Los Angeles, it was a high percentage. Because <laughs> they all want to be famous. <laughs> exactly. Right. He's going to make me famous. This right. is going to be my big break. Absolutely, and they're not intimidated by cameras at all. Yeah. Same yeah. thing for Chile. Uh, more difficult in uh, in China, okay, and in uh, some countries in Europe like Austria or uh, Sweden. Uh -huh. um, for some reason, people are you know they they have you know they have uh, more reservations a thing about yeah, or, yeah about their privacy and uh, so. But I mean, I I was able to break the ice with some people, and uh, anywhere in the world, I was able to um, get people to talk to me right so but the thing is you don't just get people to talk to you you get people to share really personal stuff um so you're a total stranger you but but you get them to and just some of the things just to give people an idea that you get them to talk about hopes fears and struggles family and relationships sexuality you know personal loss Lots of other really specific, potent themes that I don't want to mention because I don't want to give any spoilers. But I mean, people really open up to you. Um, and, you know, one, um, how do you get them to do that? How do you get them to talk about, you're not just saying, hey, are you on your way to a job interview? There, I mean, you've had at least a few people break down in tears. You go really deep, really quickly. So how do you get, how do you get them to do that? To, to open up your total stranger? Well... That's that's one of the big question mark. It's really a mystery for me. You don't know either. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just uh, uh, because they maybe they realize that I'm you know all ears. I'm really ready to listen and to you know look like look at them in the eyes and you know be in empathy. I don't know. They they feel that I'm really like really a listener. I want to listen to them and and to know them. And so right. maybe they're touched by that. They might be touched by that. And uh, and I think people want to talk in general. I mean, I think people generally, when you're ready to listen, when they see that someone is ready to listen, they they can open up, and uh, that's what I realized. Right. You're. We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. Yeah. We often don't feel that we're either that we're being seen or heard and acknowledged and acknowledged. Yeah. And so someone shows up. This angel from from Paris shows up and says, "I want to be your witness." Whatever it is, whether mm -hmm. it's your hopes, whether it's your dreams, whether it's your loss, um, but that, there are also you know, I there's a first question that I ask yeah. always, and a second question that I ask and what always. Are those? Yeah. And the first question is, where are you coming from in your journey, in your trip, metro yeah. subway trip, yeah. and where are you going to? Okay. And these questions might be very basic and simple, but they bear something deep sometimes, you know, yeah. and might be even philosophical, you right. know. Right. And with these simple questions, sometimes I I I open doors for a a very profound story. Right. 
And, you know, we just, I started this, this part of our conversation by saying, you know, you're a stranger, so why would people talk to you? But do you think that, or not just talk to you, but really open up to you, do you think that being a stranger can also be helpful Absolutely. to making people or to making people comfortable enough to open up to you? I think so, because, yeah. because I'm a stranger, uh, maybe they don't have anything to lose, you know? Exactly. Uh, I don't know you, so wherever, you know, whatever I say, even if I don't look as good or, you know, I give you a secret, uh, I don't know you, so it's okay. If if I if I have already a relationship with you, it might be more difficult to uh, to give something deep. And like you said, you're not turning the camera on them. Exactly. So they must be so much less self conscious. Yeah. But then they're still agreeing to be filmed, but not when they're talking. So it's like you found this kind of perfect combination to get people to have these this this sort of full disclosure. Right. Um. But but apparently feel comfortable doing it. Um, but one other thing that you that I noticed a recurring theme, which I think is probably a recurring technique for mm. getting to people or uh, for getting people to open up, is a lot of people talked about their dreams, and not just dreams in the metaphoric sense of I dream of being an astronaut or I dream of being a movie star, but rather their literal dreams, maybe from the night before. Exactly. And so that came up many times in the clips that I was watching. So. Uh, so tell us about that. Tell me how you use dreams mm -hmm. as a way of getting people to open up. That's another fantasy that I had. Um, I, I was like, I want to know what people dream at night. Literally. Literally. Right. right. Anywhere in the world. I just want to know. You know, if you're from uh, Hong Kong or Santiago, do you have like similar dreams? Do people have similar dreams, similar, you know, fantasies or anxieties and 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 actually that's the second question i ask after where are you coming from where oh, that's are you the going second to? one that's okay. the second okay. one uh -huh. the second one and can you share a dream that you had that you know you remember that struck you and um and uh, and when they do when they do remember their dreams then it's another way to really open doors to really something really intimate and private completely yeah yeah completely do you have an active dream life uh yeah yeah i dream a lot uh-huh yeah did you have a dream last night no <laughs> <laughs> okay all right that's not fair that's I know. the wrong answer all right well next time you're on we're gonna we're gonna analyze your dreams no but it's funny because um you didn't hear the intro to the show because you weren't here yet but uh i was talking about how i'm gonna have someone on because i've done a fair amount of dream work and i i try to keep track of my dreams and um so i'm gonna have someone on specifically to talk about dream work and dream analysis so and, cool. and all that kind of stuff. So I keep track of my dreams also. Do you, do you write I them down? I record, I used to write them down, but I realized that sometimes it's really difficult to, as soon as you wake up, you know, having, getting a pen and, and paper. So now I record them on my iPhone on a voice memo. Yeah. And that's easy, that's fast. And as soon as I wake up, remember my dream, I take my iPhone, record them. Uh, so I don't know voice, I just, my iPhone, they keep trying to deliver my new iPhone. I've had a droid. So when you say a voice record, is this the one that transcribes it into into like a text? Oh, no. Or just a recording? Just the just audio, audio recording. Audio recording. See, because I was doing that for a while, and then I found the frustration was if I want to go back and really look at the dreams, I didn't have the words to just be able to scan. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But So do you not go back too much to actually 
kind of mine them for whatever might be coming up? I mean, do you do you listen to them again? Very yeah, often, sometimes. Do you? I'm, yeah. I'm like, especially when as soon as you wake up, you might remember your dreams, but then one hour later, you totally forget. Oh, you don't? No, you got to write them down right away. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. even when I write them, write them down or record them, I forget them. Yes. So sometimes I'm, I really am so curious. So I'm like, oh, well, what was that? And because I give a title to each dream. Uh, interesting. I'm like, yep. oh, what was that? And I sometimes like i don't remember that dream this yeah. is amazing yeah so yeah it's really oh you mean after when you're listening to it again exactly yes that happens to me too yeah. sometimes i'll go back to my dream journal yeah and um which is actually now i just i mean i just have one journal now but i'll, I'll write my dreams in it and i'll go back sometimes because i find that if i wait two or three days to go back and revisit it first of all yes sometimes i'll find dreams i completely forgot about and don't even necessarily remember uh, but then secondly, if I go back a day or two later or even longer, I can see them more objectively sometimes as well and, and take meaning from them that I might not have mm-hmm. gotten that morning, for example, when yeah. I'm still half asleep or whatever. All right. That's a whole other conversation. Right. But uh, I but just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, because it is so fascinating and, mm-hmm. and, and dreams are, have so much to tell us, I think. Um, okay. But speaking of telling us and a good way of telling our listeners uh, what this project is all about... Um, that we are, or at least I'm raving about here. You can't rave about it because it's your project. But let's play, uh, I mean, I guess you can, um, <laughs> but let's play a couple of clips. So the first one I'm going to play is a fellow named Idris. I think this was in LA. Am yes. I remembering that correctly? Do yeah. you want to um, set this up for the listeners? Or it's, yes. Or not? Or because do you, you don't want, see, yeah. you're not going to see Idris uh, on the radio, but this young 16 years old um, African-American boy was riding the subway with a, f- a flower on his hand, a fake flower. And that caught my attention. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when I came up to him and asked him, do you agree to be filmed? You know, this is the project. And, and uh, he hesitated. And then at one point he, he said, okay. Okay. And yeah. here's, here's, here's what he said. Here's two minutes of what he said. My name is Idris. I'm 16 years old. I'm coming from my summer school at Hamilton High School, and I'm headed home now. At summer school, it's just two classes a day and then two-hour classes, so there's a lot of time to just relax but then also get the work done and make sure that you're understanding it. I'm glad I'm going because I know that there was a lot of stuff that I needed to uh, relearn and learn and just ultimately make up my credits for uh, school. It was really just a lot going on during my school year. My mom passed away, so it was just really hard for me to focus solely on school. And it was hard for me to like just try to get up and get up that early in the first place and go to school. I didn't really tell my teachers about it. I didn't really tell anyone. I just didn't want to have to deal with people coming up to me saying, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry this. I'm sorry that. It's just not something that I would like to hear. I didn't want to have to stand out with my friends. And I try to um, not be the one that people don't want to hang out with. Right now, I'm trying to not uh, just keep my feelings like buried down anymore because it makes it worse in the long run so I feel like I'm in a good space right now and 
when school starts back up, I'm going to feel a lot better knowing that I've had time to recover and just really taking time out personally to not try to rush something, like rush like the healing process of something. So next school year, I just plan on really staying ahead and just focusing, focusing more. There's always going to be the ups and downs. There's always going to be times where I just really wish she was here, but I'm her offspring, so I always know that there's a part of her there in me. I mean, so just so beautiful. I mean, what a self-aware. How old was he again? 16. 16. 16. I mean, I just got chills. I mean, and I've already heard it a few times. Um, so, I mean, that yeah, just so touching. And, and do you, this is off the top of my head here. Do you ever have any contact with any of these people after the fact? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah? I was about to, <clears throat> to tell the story. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> because we did a big show in Los Angeles, in the mm -hmm. Los Angeles Metro. Uh, we um, this is the other part of Life Underground. It's an also an immersive installation, so we put together a show with big screens and uh, immersive soundscape, and and so where you see the stories and you see the passengers, you listen to their stories. And Idris, he came to the oh great to the inauguration of the show, and he saw himself and listened to himself for the first time. Oh yeah, and he was so taken. At the end, he said. Something that I, I was like, whoa. I, he said, I used to really hate my voice, um, hate seeing myself. And with what I've just seen right now, I, I love everything about myself. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that makes the whole project worthwhile. Exactly. I was, uh, was like, I was uh, taken aback. And his whole, whole family uh, came too. And, oh, that's uh, sweet. And everybody was like discovering something about, you know, how he was able to talk about loss in such a mature way and that they and didn't even know they didn't he's the yeah he they didn't they didn't know because they he was never able to talk about the loss of his mother this way to his family circle yeah um and so they were all like in tears and so touched by by his uh, his maturity yeah that it's yeah that's just so beautiful um do you, so in, in these conversations, how much of it is you just ask one question and they talk versus you sort of asking multiple questions to sort of get to something that you might be able to use? Well, it's, uh, it both? it's the classical thing, you know, sometimes uh, they talk about something and I want to go deeper and, yeah. uh, you know, I ask questions. So, but why are you saying that, uh, you know, um, for example, Idris, he didn't, because he said in the, in the interview that he he doesn't talk about it. He never talked about the loss of his mother to his, uh, beyond his family circle, to yep. his friends, his teachers. Well, he hid it even. He did. Right from school. He did. He said, so yeah. I saw a hesitation when um, he said, a lot was going on this year. Uh, that's why I failed. And so that's why you know, I asked him, so what was going on? Yeah. And then he was hesitant. Yeah. I saw something. Going on in his, you know... Well, he's, he's spent all this time holding it back and exactly. not talking about it. Exactly. So to suddenly change gears, I'm sure he had to give it, you know, two or three some thoughts. thoughts. Some right. thoughts. And right. then he just went ahead and he just talk, told the story. And at the end, he really confirmed, you know, he said, hey, you know, uh, you're the first one outside of my female circle, circle whom I, I told the story to. Yeah. I was, I was just... Blown away. Already I was like, you know, I had... 
it was hard because I w we were crying. I mean, yeah. it was so touching during the interview. My assistant and myself. Whoa, this. It was really hard. So it's this one wonderful, you know, uh, encounter and relationship, and we're still in touch. And it's like something happened with this yeah. young man. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So does it ever get too intense? And what I mean by that is, it, is it ever, for example, someone says, "Yeah, I'll do this," and you know, for example, with Idris, we could take him as an example. He hasn't talked about it. Well, sometimes when we talk about things that we've held back, all of a sudden we realize there's way more there and it's just kind of this deluge. I mean, have you ever run into people where it's just, it's too much and they have to stop or, you know? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes people cry. Yeah. Many times actually yeah, yeah. people cry. There's so many tears. Um, has anyone ever changed their mind? No, they yeah. never change their mind. Interesting. Even after the facts, even after the interview, even uh, when they listen to themselves, I never had anyone uh, send, sending me an email saying, "Hey, um, no, I don't want to. Uh, I want you to just get me out of the website." Or you interesting. Know, no, never. That's so really that's, interesting. Yeah, that's a big. You know, that was a big anxiety. But I really wanted to um, make sure that everybody would be able to see themselves. I, I didn't want to just, you know, forget about them. I just, you know, this is, you know, what I got from you. Are you okay? And I, I would agree to take the risk. And so people can tell me, hey, no, you know, I'm not okay with that. Actually, this is too intimate. And no one had told me that. Yeah, that's fascinating. So I wanted to play Natalia, but in the interest of time, I think I want to instead um, just use Idris as that example and have people go to your website and check out, uh, check out the other ones. Um, but I'm curious... Before we move on, are there any others that just really, really stand out for you? Any others that, I mean, because they're all so interesting, but are there any others along those lines that you would just kind of throw out there insofar as... Just, just out of all the people that are in the project, mm -hmm. are there any other particular stories that really stand out for you as yes. being particularly poignant, particularly... Yes. Um, I was in Paris and... I always wanted to, I was like, that would be interesting. Sometimes you, you verbalize your desires and they arrive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in Paris, I was like, I would like to, to see someone, uh, just uh, a, a pregnant woman, uh -huh. someone with, you know, uh, uh, being pregnant to see, you know, what she has in mind and, uh, you know, hopes and desires for the future and, you know, just it also always always to try to capture the mood, uh, a spirit of a, uh, of a place. Right. And, uh, right. and sometimes when people are pregnant and they, you know, they bear some like, maybe sometimes anxiety or, you know, A lot's hope. going on, sure. A lot yeah, of, all is of going, the above, exactly. times so, 10, yeah. So I was uh, riding the subway and, um, you know, in France, we have, uh, there's, when you uh, have x-rays, they put them in a gray envelope and those gray envelopes, when you look at them, you know that it's X-rays uh -huh. inside. Yeah. So there was a woman with uh, her boyfriend, and she was carrying this gray envelope. I was like, oh, maybe you know, maybe that's, maybe she has just had an uh, X-ray or, or an, uh, what's it called, an ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. 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 So I was just you know, just you know, fantasizing again, but. The same thing, when I ask people uh, if they agree to be filmed, I never ask them their story before. So I film them, and then I discover the story when I record their voice. Right. So this woman was traveling with, his, with her boyf boyfriend with uh, x-rays, 
And so they agreed to be filmed. Um, so then this, the, you know, the, she, she went, um, uh, she got off the train uh, before her boyfriend. So I followed her and then she invited, uh, invited us over um, at her um, studio. Oh, wow. To her apartment. apartment. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and she told, she told us about a, a strong dream that she had and she told us we just uh my boyfriend and i are coming back from the clinic and i just found out that i was pregnant yeah and we decided that i'm going to have an abortion yes and uh that's really that was really a strong moment and uh this is one of the one of the most powerful encounters that i had and um, and it's in on the website. Yes, yeah. I watched that last night. I okay. knew where, I knew where this did. one was going. I, I didn't want to say anything. Uh, yeah. That was yet another really really powerful piece. Yeah, and it's, I'm just I'm kind of uh, blown away by blown away by the fact that she brought you into her apartment and had a conversation with you. That's yeah. just yeah, that's crazy. Yes, um, and 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 wonderful. Mm. Um, okay. I would love to go through each of these uh, people person by person because these stories are so, again, interesting, inspiring, poignant. But I also, in the interest of time, want to talk about some other aspects of the project. So again, people are going to have to go to life-underground.com.com, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, Which, of course, I'll again say at the end. But let's talk about some of the more technical aspects here. Um, Not necessarily technical technical but more more along the lines of again how you did the filming and how you present uh, the project itself so how did you structure each short because they're basically three minutes but how did you structure within the short because there was obviously some deliberate thought of course, of course. that went into that so mm. what was that it's interesting uh, to realize that uh naturally each story because of course when i record the voice it's not three minutes it's uh 20 to sometimes 40 50 happen even in one hour of yeah. interview so yeah. then I have to edit but naturally when I edit the story it really fits between two and three minutes it's one you know it's one topic I yeah. try to avoid multiple topics um, so if I want to address one topic it's naturally two to three minutes which is intense sometimes um, and uh, but of course there's a lot of work uh, of editing work mm-hmm. and it's really interesting it's really about crafting a story it's really about storytelling and uh, sometimes you know I shift things around and you know I uh, uh, I use some you know the editing uh, uh, techniques you know to to have the story flow and uh, and then it fits it's less than three minutes yeah well he's not being as a forthcoming as he could be because what he also does is he totally surprises the listener over and over again. So you've got your people saying a story and you think, or at least I often thought we were going down a certain track and then all of a sudden there's kind of this, this whammy or this curveball, which of course then drew me and I'm sure everyone else in that much further. So uh, again, Ervik can be a little, a little diabolical, I think, when he's doing this editing. Um, but the other thing that you did that was interesting is you don't just launch right in to the conversations. There, it takes a little while before um, you can click to actually... So what, what, what was that delay about or what's that delay about before you can actually... Click on the passenger? Yeah, yeah because so the idea is really to 
again recreate the experience when we are traveling the subways and you look around, you look at people, you look at faces, you look at the architecture, at the trains, you listen to the soundscape and and all of a sudden you see someone, look at someone and you're interested, you're curious. And so this moment, I, uh, it's a travel sequence that I, we edit also that before getting into the passenger story because yep. it's a process. You, right. I didn't want to just deliver on the website just passenger stories. Mm-hmm. I wanted to recreate the, you know, the curiosity and the process to looking around yep. and, and be intrigued by someone. Right. This so, whole, yeah, that whole process you've been talking about. Exactly. Which is of being on the metro and looking around, yeah. and it doesn't happen right away as exactly. soon as you go through the gate. Yeah. You're, you're taking in the scenery, the setting, and then all of a sudden, 30 seconds into it or a minute into it or 10 minutes into it, then you might zero in on someone who's caught your attention. Absolutely. And so you're sort of emulating that, which I, I loved. And sometimes people even told me, oh, you know, by looking at this uh, sequences, it, I realized that I have to do the same. I know enough with my iPhone or my, you know, my putting my head in my phone, just, you know, look up and look around. And that's a big, you know, thing for me to see that it, it could influence people's, you know, uh, yes. Uh, behavior in yeah. subways. One of the ones that I loved, one of the interviews that I loved, or the, the segments that I loved that we won't talk too much about, but it's in Vienna, the 21-year-old who actually is concerned about uh, technology and how much it's taking, headspace it's taking up. And and I was just so hopeful to see that a 21-year-old, or mm. however old he was, 19, 20, I think he's 21, is thinking in those terms because I'm just so afraid that that generation isn't. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was just sort of a, a side thought along those lines. But but let's talk really quickly about uh, why, again, why you wanted it to be interactive and why you didn't just want to make a documentary, mm-hmm. a, a sort of um, traditional documentary, or mm-hmm. just have these stories. Why, why the interactive element to this? Well, first of all, so um, as I said earlier, um, originally I wanted to craft a traditional documentary. Oh, not that traditional because there is no one story arc that would be multiple characters, you know, like uh, it's, it's not really, it's, it, would, it would have been more experimental. Yeah. But it's, it's not easy to get funding for this type of traditional uh, form. Like if I want to make a feature length documentary, it has to be so I would have people would ask me, so what's the theme, what it is about? And I, I couldn't I couldn't do that, you know, because mm-hmm. it's uh, it's like a mosaic. Yep. So. So I just, you know, left the idea on the side and uh, by talking with uh, friends um, and looking at other you know, work uh, on the Web. Um, we came up with the idea of uh, maybe allowing people to be more active and to, um, uh, yeah, to mimic the experience in the subways where you, uh, again, I'm repeating myself, but, you know, where you, uh, you, want, okay. you, want, <laughs> you want to uh, interact with someone. Yeah. So uh, we thought that that would be a good fit for this project. Yep. It's, we have so many passengers, so many stories, but now it's up to the visitor to the viewer to choose and to choose where to go 
and to choose who to interact with. Mm -hmm. And so how is it different than when you do it on the large screen? Because you said you have the the website, the right. online interactive experience, but then you did uh, you I think you debuted it at South by Southwest, South by Southwest or uh, no, a, in was, Los Angeles subway. That was actually the debut. Yes. It was also at South by Southwest, it, it but was. that was after LA. Exactly. Okay. So you did it in this these you've done it in these theaters. How is that experience different? You cuz you still call it immersive. Yes. So what does that mean? Oh, it's it. So it was the big premiere in the Los Angeles Metro. They were celebrating the 25th anniversary of their Red Line, and Perfect. so they wanted to do something like a, a celebration of public transportation. Perfect so, timing. Yeah. So they came to us, uh, and so when oh we, they came to you. Well, they knew that we had in mind uh, installation project because okay. they participated in the project as just for the interactive website oh so they were already involved they were oh, okay cool. yeah yeah but then afterwards um you know we were talking and so you know we we have this no they was yeah they asked me so what um do you have any way that it could be publicly shown and we're like yeah we have this project and so they said it's perfect timing we have this uh, 25th anniversary let's do this together Yep. So I worked with an uh, installation artist uh, from New York, Tony and Irving, and she was really instrumental in crafting the immersive installation. So I had the idea of like big screens and a soundscape. And so when you, when you are in the space where the screens are, it's like as if you were in the subway. And mm -hmm. by uh, like en enhancing the size of the screens. Okay, so yeah, so this isn't just, sorry to interrupt, but this isn't just we went to the metro and there was a big screen on one of the oh, walls. No. Yeah, no. it really is an installation in the sense that, okay, it's a got space. It. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. space when you arrange screens like uh, in a staggered way yeah. and, uh, and, and, and on these screens, like really large screens, you have uh, a a loop. So on each of the five screens, you have loops yeah. with travels and stories, travels and stories, travels and stories. And yeah. from one place to another, you never stay in the same place yeah. from one place to another. So, and we have benches reminiscing of the subway. Uh -huh. So first of all, when you enter the space, you're overwhelmed by this, the soundscape. Uh -huh. you, you hear different languages, different voices, and you hear different sounds of subways and trains. And, and you're like, where am I? You, know, where, you don't know where to look. Right. And then you sit down in front of a big screen. And, and then with the speakers that we had, like really directional speakers, you're more in tune with what you you're see. Taken into it. Exactly. Yeah. You're immersed. And then when you listen to the person's voice on a big screen and you have, you know, it's, it's like so... Um, it's really important. You're there. You're there. You're there. And, yeah. and you're in the you know, you're in empathy actually also with the, with the person's story. Yeah. And so tell me about, uh, cause you just talked about the sounds and that's obviously a really key part here, um, to, and particularly in the immersive experience, but even, even, you know, doing it online. Um, tell me about the soundtrack because yeah. the soundtrack itself is really interesting. And, uh, when you told me how it was done, it became even that much more interesting because I already liked it just from an you know, an audio experience. But then when I found out how you actually came up with that, it was even more interesting. So tell us about that. Mm. So it comes from my obsession with rhythm. I really love <laughs> rhythm. I do percussions. Oh, and you do? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in subways or in trains, I always, you know, pick up the rhythm and, and find, you know, rhythm and even melodies. 
and of course, when I travel subways around the world, I can diff- I, I can you know see the difference and notice the different um, uh, you know sounds of track on the tracks or melodies and you know the the sound you know signals. Everything is different in each subway, and it's really interesting. Yeah. So I met a musician, and I told him that hey, you know. There is another fantasy that I have is to make music with all these sounds of subways. Yeah. And the guy was like, okay, this is exactly for me. I'm all, I have the same obsessions. So we found ourselves really like working together. His name is Brian Rodvian. He uh, lives in Berkeley. And um, he, we, we like, Totally hit clicked. it off. Yeah, yeah clicked yeah, yeah. right away. Yeah. So all the recordings that we made in, on each subway, raw recording, raw sounds of subways, uh, I just you know put it on a Dropbox, I sent them to him, he took them and crafted pieces of music. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, seriously, because I was thinking afterwards, um, you know, after going through so much of this, I was thinking you could do a soundtrack, like, you know, like a CD or of a, course, yeah. I mean, I guess we don't use CDs anymore, but you could do a, whatever they, I guess, a digital album. Absolutely. And um, it's on SoundCloud. It is. Yes. Oh, you can already access all exactly. that. People can already go there. Okay. From the websites, you have an access There's to the click. SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay. Or a link rather. Okay, cool. Yeah. I missed that part. Uh, but yeah, that's worth checking out. So check out uh, the actual, the, the, the website, but also check out specifically the audio in addition because it's really worthwhile and really interesting. Uh, so let me see here. We are running out of time. We talked about that. Um, what about the, uh, okay. So he said at the beginning, he said, wait, are you sure we have an hour to talk about? And now he's looking at his watch. Cause he's like, wait, how can we be out of time? I told you, I told you that's how it goes. Um, but let's talk about the future really quickly. So are you still filming stories or have you, okay. You're still filming stories. I just, uh, I was in April. I was in Taipei in uh-huh. Taiwan. And I filmed other stories, and so I'm editing right now. Okay, great. I'm editing them. One of them is uh, really interesting for the time being, is uh, an immigrant from Indonesia who uh, talks about her experience as an immigrant in in Taiwan, uh, being disconnected from her family back in um, Indonesia, and uh, she explains... uh, all the struggles she's going through. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, very touching the way that her mother, you know, she keeps dreaming about her mother's food. You know, that's what she misses the most. Mm. But unfortunately, her her mother passed away in Indonesia, but she couldn't even go to her funerals. Because of the visa situation or whatever. The situation. Or, and, you know, in the Muslim world, we uh, bury people right away, like within the uh, 24 hours. Yeah. She didn't okay. have the she time. She just couldn't make it. She uh, couldn't make timing it. Timing-wise, yeah. So, and now she's afraid that her dad is going to pass away too. So, I mean, we go really deeply in her Deep. thoughts and anxiety and... Uh, um, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful story. So I have those stories, and I'm going back to Europe in September to film in Germany and in Finland. Okay, and Excellent. maybe also in Asia, Singapore, maybe in Moscow also. So I have a few more. A few subways. more. I would yeah. say there are a few more that. Uh, a few yeah. more. All right. Well, that and is something really to look forward to. Yeah. No, I bet. I <laughs> bet. Uh, what about any additional festivals or or you talked about wanting to bring it to San Francisco? And we're kind of running low on time, but anything <laughs> that people should be looking for short term. Yeah, with regards um, to seeing it out and about? 
Yeah, uh, I hope that be before the end of the year, we'll be in San Francisco showing uh, the installation. The installation, yep. yeah. Probably in a museum, uh, and uh, we'll let you know. So okay. we could publish Please it. Please do. Let us yeah. know. Let me know. I will help spread the word. Haiti Mon Amour. Mm -hmm. So that's just quickly, like 30 seconds, because I, I don't want to end this without... I mean, you're on the list for the best foreign language film in the 2018 Oscars. So can you just give us a soundbite about that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my wife is Haitian originally, and she... Uh, she directed this film okay. and I, I did the uh, cinematography uh, and uh, she, she was on the list to be uh, on the um, uh, 2018 of Best Foreign Language uh, Film list. So still in the running? Or no, what? no, no. It's it's already done. It oh wait, was the Oscars already happened. <laughs> That's true. They already happened. I forgot the Oscars already happened. Yeah, that yeah. tells you how much I'm paying attention. That's true. Yeah. We're already in July. Exactly. Oh yeah. Okay. So All right, that's cool. that's yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that was a big thing for Haiti because that was the first time in history that they were represented for the competition. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Congratulations on that. Uh, Lit wings in the fall. I know you'll be there. Um, and you know what? We are out of time. Okay. See, I told you. It just flew right by, and I had a lot more questions. Uh, I'm going to throw out some links to make sure people check out the project. Uh, so I already said, but I will say again, life-underground.com, life-underground.com. Uh, the project is, of course, also on Facebook at Life Underground Project. It's on Twitter at Life Under Doc, and it's on Instagram at Life Underground 2018. If you want to know more about Hervé and his other projects, you can go to Hervé, so H-E-R-V-E Cohen, C-O-H-E-N dot com, Hervé Cohen dot com. Hervé, merci beaucoup pour être ici. <laughs> and, uh, merci à toi. You'll have to come back and uh, maybe we'll talk about Lit Wings or whatever we've got uh, going on later in the year. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for being here. That is all for today. Uh, thanks again to today's guests, Lit Quakes, Jane Ganahl, and Life Underground filmmaker, Hervé Cohen. And thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please help me spread the word. On today's show page, you'll see many ways to share on social media. If you see a post on Facebook for an upcoming show, uh, please share that as well. It all really helps, and I really appreciate it. For more about me, my, web, my website is matthewfelix.com and links to my social media, books, audiobooks, other podcasts, now on Google Play Music, in addition to iTunes and other platforms. And all the rest can be found there. And as I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, I'm getting, getting ready to make some very big changes. So please subscribe on matthewfelix.com to be kept in the loop about those. Last but not least, if you have any comments, show ideas, or just want to say hello, you can email me at felixonair at matthewfelix.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. <laughs>